0: This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. And even, you could even set up on their
1: boxes. Like, you thought your boxes were safe. Yeah. Think um. again.
0: <laughs> welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast, where Dashes and Orchimedes from Never Tell Me the Odds join Endless from Yavin Base to talk about Star Wars Legion competitive play and improving your game. Today, we're going to be talking about Yavin Base Team League, Adepticon requirements, some new unit spoilers and the Invader League finals. I'm Dashes.
2: I'm Archimedes.
1: And I'm Endless.
0: Awesome. So uh, let's, I guess, jump right into it. I think, Endless, you've got some stuff to talk about in regards to uh, some online play.
1: Yes. Um, so the Invader League has wrapped up. The finals were played yesterday afternoon and I streamed them and it was fun. Um,. But now that we are going to be between seasons, the Invader League will not be back again until March of next year, which uh, coincides a little bit with Adepticon, but that's when it's going to start up. Um, Invader League is run twice yearly, once in the fall, which we just concluded, and once in the spring, which is going to happen next March. Like spring does so um a, a number of us on the legion discord were thinking of ways to kind of fill in the gap in terms of online organized play opportunities and so um a number of us talked and and our end came up with this idea for a, a yavin base team league where we get teams of three to uh, register and these teams of three play in a swiss format um the captains of each team will meet before each game to create a set of three pairings and then those games will be played and the team that wins more games um, wins the match and they get awarded the match point for uh, that round and there are as many rounds as there are um, unique pairings of teams so the more people that register the longer the tournament can run Uh, each round has a a uh, time limit of about a couple of weeks to finish. Um, of course, if everybody's done before the two week limit is up, we of course would would push it forward just to keep the keep the league going, keep the games going. Uh, and basically, at the end of the Swiss rounds, whoever is on top is the champion. And and we're sort of still you know working out the prizing. You know, are we going to have just one one winner, or are we going to have like you know first, second, third kind of thing? A lot of the details are still being hashed out, but what we do have currently is the format for how the pairings are done and how people can register. And this team tournament is gonna to be run through challenge.com C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E.com. You'll need to make an account there. You'll need to have your two teammates make an account as well and create between the three of you a team page, which you can do through Challenges. Uh, robust software that they've got on site, uh, in the browser. So, uh, you make that team and then you tell me through the Legion discord, you'll also need to join, of course, the Legion discord to get, um, access to all the tournament communications that are relevant. Tell me what your team name is, who's on it, and then I can add you to the list and we're going to try to get that off the ground within the next couple of weeks here. Um, so we're just hoping for everybody to come register and, uh, we're thinking it's going to be fun. We're going to stream a few games here and there just to, you know, get some more notoriety. And, you know, if we have a fun and unique match that's going to occur, um, you know, it'll it just be fun for everybody. So we're going to post, um, or I'm going to post a a blog post on the Avonbase uh, blog, which is going to, you know, dive into greater detail about, um, you know, other league processes, other specific rules. But I just wanted to give a little, you know, four or five minute blurb about, what's happening with this and uh, as far as we know for maps um you know we're just going to use all of the maps that are currently inside the mod and we're not going to be too um not going to get too crazy about you know only use these maps and only do these things but uh we just, wanna, we just want to sorry gosh we just want people to come have fun and that's the ultimate goal so yeah so that's that so keep your eyes peeled um if you're not a member of the legion discord already and you're listening to this podcast please join the legion discord there's so much good information To be found there um and you can find the permanent link to that discord through um the avon base website there's also a number of other um blogs within the star wars legion sphere that link to the legion discord but it's definitely worth your time to join and and come talk about um what is currently my favorite game and i'm hoping is uh possibly your favorite game too so
0: hey they're listening to this podcast right
1: exactly they're listening to this podcast so they they are definitely have a uh, significant interest in what we're doing so
2: and the three of us are doing a team right
1: yeah we're going to be a part of it you can see so you get a chance to play against us if you like um of course all of these things are done on tabletop simulator which i need to mention there's no offline component of this team league it's completely online because uh, that way we get access to the the largest player base possible I think the largest variety as well. We're not locked into some sort of regional meta. We can we can make these long distance games played out very easily. And uh, I know that at least one team from the UK is going to be coming. Uh, the infamous Star Wars Legion command, you know, with Ellis and Nikki Myland. I think they're going to find another person to play with too, so they'll round out their team of three. But I know they're they're involved, and we've got a number of other people who've uh, you know sort of talked about getting involved as well. So. I uh, just want to build some a little bit of hype around that before we get this whole thing off the ground. So if if it's interesting to you, make a team. Uh, let me know um, Endless on the Discord. hashtag five zero five five is my my identifier thing or whatever you call it on the end of my name when you at me on the Discord. So
0: everybody PM him as often as
1: possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I no, I love reading. So send me messages. Third.
2: Ask him what ask him what he's wearing. You know. Yep.
1: i'm actually
0: really excited about this team formats tend to be the most fun formats in competitive like i guess competitive but not competitive play like you know and this is more for fun i guess than like personal aspiration right um but it it just like team formats are fun because you get to play and compete with your buddies as opposed to just like all of the weight being on your shoulders you know
1: yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to put all the pressure on yourself. And it's also just a way to experiment with things that you might not necessarily take to a solo tournament. And, uh, you know, just adds another level of strategy. Because the ultimately the captains, the way the pairing system kind of works a little bit, just going to that is that the captains pick an army, you know, maybe you have like a generalist kind of army that you use as your first pick hard for your opponent to pick against so the captains pick an army and then they pick an army to face the army their opponent picked. And then the last two armies, which are secret until the very end are the uh, final pairing. So there's a little bit of strategy involved there. Um, you know, wh- who, who do you want to hold in reserve to be the secret, the secret, um, you know, pairing. So there's a lot of, you know, you can read more about it on the article that's going to come out. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, cool strategy involved in team leagues wouldn't get in the solo arena and you know it's just a different a different take on you know what could otherwise become stale and boring so
0: yeah different formats are always good um so cool uh so i think we're also going to talk about adepticon um so registration went up and uh i think i registered i think orc you registered too right
2: yep i am in.
0: cool so um some I guess new requirements came out for this. Uh, I guess they're not new if you've been to a before. I've never gone before, so this is a little bit new to me. Though it's similar to some requirements uh, I've seen before. So uh, all the models that you have have to be, uh, I guess, painted to a three-color minimum, which is a pretty standard tabletop uh, deal. And they also have to be uh, what you see is what you get. So they have to be the exact models, um, that come out of the box and they have to, like, not be modified in any way. Uh, so there's that. I mean, I don't, I don't think that affects a ton of people unless you've already converted your stuff. Um, I haven't seen a lot of converted stuff in competitive play, so I don't know how big of an issue that would be.
2: And often too, I mean, we'll see how it comes out with Adepticon, but for stuff like you know other games where conversions are more common. Then in Legion, it's sort of like a just get a TO permission situation, and if if your model is sufficiently similar and recognizable, then they'll usually let you use it for what you want to use it as. But you know, it's always a good practice, especially in a game like Legion, uh, where although people do conversions, I don't think it's quite as popular, and the models are also not as convertible. Um, you know, if you're gonna like if you plan on playing competitively just just paint your stuff out of the box or you know if you want to make a conversion get two copies of something just in case bring your converted model and then also bring your stock out of the box model just in case um you know for some reason you can't use it
0: yeah i think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next year or so what ends up kind of happening with conversions generally because it's it's not like a space marine where you take it out of the box and there's 20 pieces and Everybody's Space Marines are like a little bit different. So, you know, their heads look in one way and the arms are, you know, slightly different. Like everybody's Rebel Trooper squads are exactly the same. Um, So that dynamic to it is going to be interesting to see how organized play deals with people trying to be creative. I I hope that conversions are just like, as long as they're clearly not gaming the system, will be cool. Uh, We'll see. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to speak obviously for the Adepticon judges, but for other other miniatures games that I've done like 40K, usually, you know, it's a look at this model, if it's clear what it is and it's roughly the right size and it's clear that you're not trying to alter it, you know, to be gamey, then they'll usually just allow it. Yeah. Cool. Um the th- the three color thing is we talked about this pretty extensively, I think actually in our first episode because Michigan T GT had three color, but um you know, this is a little bit new to FFG games, uh. So just be prepared for it. You know, it's nice to know. Uh, five months out, four months out, that that's going to be a thing, um. So you have time to paint.
0: Yeah, I think uh, LVO is also through color, though I could be wrong on that. I don't know. I'm just
1: kinda I don't remember
0: talking out my butt on that one, but I feel like I heard somebody say that. Um, so.
2: Uh, I don't think LVO is, but um. LJ would be the authority on that, obviously.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So, we talked about Yavin-based Team League, and we talked about Adepticon. Uh, I think... I think an article came out this morning that a lot of people are interested in.
1: Um, you mean that fake that fake, uh, drop that wasn't actually fake? Well,
0: please, tell us more.
1: Well, for all you haters who said that Jin and Pathfinders weren't real yeah they're real <laughs> and um ffg dropped a article about that this morning i believe and it uh, talks about Jin urso commander expansion and pathfinders a new special forces unit for the rebel alliance which is amazing but now we have three special forces units competing for those coveted special forces slots of which for the rebels there are only three because we don't have a palpatine to make it for yet Hopefully we get something like that later on with new expansions down the road, but for now we're stuck with three. But uh, let's uh, let's dive right in, man. Let's talk about Jin Urso because she has some really cool things going on with her. Um, so she is a commander. Uh, the article looks like it says she's 130 points. I'm just talking about the, the sort of fuzzy image that we've been given uh, to work with. She's got a command slot, a gear slot, a training slot, and this new um, weapon slot, which is something I haven't seen before, but it looks like it's a a pistol, so maybe some sort of convertible rifle or convertible gun, and we can talk about that later on. Um, So keywords, uh, quick thinking. So it's a card action similar to jump. You gain one aim token and one dodge token, so... If you want, you can spend an action to get the one of the components of Sorry About the Mess, which is the aim and dodge. Um, so two for one, that's always good. Uh, Danger Sense 4, which is a really cool mechanic now. You may choose not to remove your suppression tokens, so I'm presuming that means when you rally, you may choose not to remove them. Um, and then while defending against a ranged attack, you roll one extra defense die for each suppression token you have, adding up to four extra dice. So Jin has a courage value of three, which means she needs six suppression to lose an action. Or no, that's to panic. She needs three suppression to lose an action. But still, like, that's a lot of uh, extra dice when you get right down to it for a unit that doesn't panic that easily. Yeah, it's super good. Like- so if she's heavily suppressed, you know, you're getting like three, four extra white dice. Now, some people might laugh and say, oh, well, it's white dice, but... um. We're going to talk later about a certain thing that happened in Kingsley's game uh, in the finals for Invader League. That's uh, you know says that white dice are actually pretty good when they roll correctly. Um,
2: (laughs) yeah, uh, white dice are bad. Spoilers. Lots of white dice are less bad. Yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) Isn't that like the whole methodology behind the Z6? Essentially, like you know, white dice suck, but when there's enough of them, you know, all of a sudden they're really good.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely applies to Pathfinders, too, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, and so there, there's another keyword here. We'll, we'll talk about Danger Sense versus Uncanny Luck maybe in a little bit, but um, Infiltrate, you may deploy anywhere beyond range 3 of all enemy units, which um obviously good because you can start closer to objectives, obviously bad because you start closer to your opponent's army. So it's easier for them to shoot you immediately, which uh, is a little bit, you know, meh. Doesn't, doesn't feel good for any white defense dice unit but she has nimble and sharpshooter one which is pretty cool uh, sharpshooter always good nimble incredibly good on on um, all units and interestingly enough Jen has uh, suppressive in her weapon bar which is kind of interesting to me now does that mean that all of her attacks are suppressive or does that just mean the melee here her collapsible tanfa with four red dice or sorry four um black dice, gosh, not four red four red would be ridiculous. four black is pretty good. Um, um,
0: is this is this the first unit that we've had with only one uh weapon profile at the bottom of the card?
1: No, I think palpatine palpatine had only, only has only one weapon, but he uses it in melee and in range, but this is the only like single weapon profile. I think. I think you're right about that.
0: I I just, um, I don't have Palpatine up in front of me, but if it's, if it's looks the same as Palpatine, I would assume that suppressive just applies to the melee attack.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping. Because, uh, if it's all suppressive, I mean, suppressive in melee is pretty cool, though. All things considered.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's got that. I mean, the model is really good. I'm not sure I like the baton. Um, but she does have this really cool baton and clearly that's ton- you know what's sorry going it's a,
1: it's a it's a batonfa. Is that is that what it's batonfa. called Tonfa. it's it's a tonfa. Oh. yeah i don't know I, whatever it doesn't matter what it's called it's a baton <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a ni- it's a night stick yeah. yeah there you go um, yeah, it,
0: it looks like a melee weapon that gives your opponent suppression tokens when you hit him with it which is cool
1: exactly uh, six health, kind of common to Rebel Heroes. Three Courage, so she's uh, got Luke's Courage value, which is pretty nice. Surge Crit, Surge Defense, and uh, two speed. Yeah, so pretty awesome. Good, uh, A good baseline unit. And uh, she also has a, to go along with this pistol slot, um, she's got this pistol thing. So let's see, A100 Pistol Config. Oh, interesting. So maybe there's something else here um range one to two two red dice and a white die pretty nice uh pierce one while attacking cancel it one result and then a new keyword reconfigure uh i think that says when you recover you may flip this card Hmm. oh so so i guess I, i think this goes we'll talk about this with the pathfinders but i know i saw with the pathfinders they have um uh weapons that can be reconfigured and so that's a new mechanic they're introducing with these two expansions is weapons that can be reconfigured by flipping over which i think is pretty cool and of course i'm salivating because i want to know what the other configuration is darn it the pistol's good by itself but man i want to know what the other one is too
0: it'll be interesting to see what that ends up being and like how that impacts things
2: yeah for sure like you said, regardless of what that is, two two reds and a white with Pierce one and Sharpshooter one. That's that's pretty good.
1: Definitely. Search, I mean, search crit. Can, it's not it's not a Leia gun because it doesn't have Sharpshooter two, but that extra crit chance is pretty good, pretty sweet. Um,
0: is there a points value on that card, like that you can see? I don't have.
1: The, I think it says zero. It, some really? people said it was eight, and I think it says zero. Interesting. And I think that makes sense because they wanted to, they don't want to penalize you for. You know, you don't want to penalize you by paying for a ranged weapon um, You know, if on a character that's obviously got one in her sculpt. I mean, she can take this, like, like it wouldn't make sense, right? I'm running around with a sculpt that has a ranged weapon, but I can't use it because I didn't pay eight points for it. That seems a little funky.
0: I think she'd also be the only character
2: in the game without a ranged weapon.
1: That would also be, would be the, the, the case. case. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like that either. That would feel a little weird.
2: Except Vader, unless you put saber throw on him okay yes oh that is true uh, yeah of, vader. of all
0: the people that should say that it shouldn't have been me but it was <laughs> <laughs> i just like i've never run him without saber throw so it doesn't feel like that you know yeah it doesn't yep. feel like
1: he has no ranged weapon right because he does yeah. in a sense um, but, but you have to pay points for it
0: yeah i mean vader the how card terrible just is vader the the Vader card should just be 210 <laughs> points and have Saber thrust stable to it. It's just, well, there you go. You
1: know, that, that would make a little bit more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Um,
0: I will say, I think that her keywords are very synergistic. Like, quick quick thinking with nimble is like really great action economy.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I like know. stupid good.
0: Yeah, you know? And don't even get me started on infiltrate. Like... I. So based on how this reads, like it looks like you can just set up on top of like the middle box and recover, right?
1: Yeah, you you could do that if you wanted to.
0: Like just adjacent to it, touching it.
1: That's true. You know? Giving it giving it a nice massage
2: before the game yeah. even starts. I mean,
0: you, you could even you could even set up on their boxes.
1: Yeah, you could. That's so gross. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty gross. Like, like, it, like, like, you thought your boxes were safe. Yeah. Think uh, again.
0: <laughs> I, uh, th- yeah, I don't know. The infiltrate keyword on here seems just like crazy bonkers good.
1: Uh, I love the idea of like this sort of thing on a... Well, how would that work with Disarray? Because you have to deploy a unit in the other the other box... But I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess it could turn anything into disarray because you can just like put Jin and uh, I think the Pathfinders have infiltrated as well. So you could put Jin and the Pathfinders together, you know, far afield and use them, you know, as as like a flanking force, and then have your main army, you know, with Leia and a bunch of you know Z sixes or whatever, as your main your main force. Yeah,
2: it seems like depending on your terrain setup and your objective, there's a lot of really interesting things you could do with this. And it, it kind of forces you, like, uh, it, it forces you to make your opponent to make decisions as they're deploying, um, you know, about trying to hedge you out of important areas.
0: Also, I think that... Oh, can, you, can you read what the infiltrate keyword text was again?
1: Yeah, let me reread it. So, infiltrate, uh, you may deploy... Sorry, I just went away from the card. Have to go back to the card. Okay, so infiltrate. You may deploy anywhere beyond range three of all enemy units. Okay,
0: so based on that, it sounds to me like you're probably incentivized to, to, to bid if you're taking infiltrate because if you're the first person putting a unit down, there's no enemy units on the board.
1: Yeah, you can literally put that unit anywhere you want.
0: Right
2: you could you could drop her in in your enemy's deployment zone. I don't know why you'd <laughs> want to do
1: that, but you could yeah, Vader them like deploys on top of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just kills them all. I mean, it'd be it weird.
0: Be interesting. Uh, I don't know if that that specific use would be very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a really th- this is a keyword that I think you can be really creative with and in the right circumstances,
1: I think you could probably break it. Um, I don't know. That's likely. Like. I think if you find like, you know, elevation or. You know anything with, good a good amount of cover that's kind of hard to flank around. You can just use it to suppress one area of the board very well, and that would be that alone could win you a game.
2: It seems like it's really good specifically on recover, but maybe even on like moisture evaporators, where again you don't you're kind of used to having like a safe evaporator. I, know, I think it might be kind better of on question.
0: evaporators if you have multiple units with infiltrate. Frankly,
2: yeah, although you can't grab evaporator and run with it like you can with the middle box.
0: No, but like so normally, you know, like the units in the backfield on evaporators, like you generally send like one unit to go like repair each one. It's going to take like if you if you started the game with an infiltrate unit on them, like it's it's a going to take them some time to get the infiltrate unit off the evaporator A and B, you're then going to have to spend four turns repairing it.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty significant, especially like if your infiltrate unit is gin in this case, she looks pretty tough, so yeah. It's not like you're just going to be able to send your four-man rebel trooper squad over there to to babysit that evaporator, because she can probably just pretty easily wipe them out.
1: Yeah, she would just beat them down. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like I don't know how good that's going to be uh, like long-term, but if, if you can make it so that they can't repair or sabotage their set of evaporators in totality, you've kind of won the game at that point.
2: Yeah, because yours are going to be still relatively safe if they don't, you know, also
1: have some unit that does this.
0: Right, assuming that there's it's not like an infiltrate mirror or something.
1: Um, well, I am going to speculate that death troopers may have something similar, but I, again, I, I have no idea. I'm just speculating that chronic and death troopers might be able to do something similar, but I I have no clue. Do Do we actually um,
0: know that they're going to be the next release?
1: Like, uh, well, according to. According to some on the internet, if you finagle with the URL on FFG's website, you can you can make the the article title come up. I don't know if the bug's been fixed yet, but that's how people kind of sussed it out. Gotcha. Plus, you know, Krennic is on the art of one of Jin's cards. So I think for a lot of folks, the, the art from Fry Grenades and now this art with Krennic on it have kind of sealed the deal for them that Krennic and Death Troop is in the next thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but, but again... No idea what's in contained in those boxes, and, and we'll all spend the next four or five months salivating over what's in there. So,
2: which one is uh, which one is chronicon?
1: Um, it's one of these new command upgrades in Jen's box. I can't read the thing. Yeah, is he the it's only a, one that? It's the only one there. It's uh, sort of looks like he might be the one behind the the pistol. Str something, I don't know. Okay. When when something may something may remove something, I don't know.
0: Um, I, so I do feel like the infiltrate keyword. Like I, if if you're playing rebels, I think I think you have to take at least if if you're not taking Jin, I think you have to take one squad of pathfinders. I I feel like it is almost obligatory.
2: It's yeah, I feel for, like that's the same. It, it just for dis- disruption.
0: Not even for disruption. Just like it's. It's, it turns recover the supplies into key positions.
1: It, you could probably run Gin pathfinders into commando snipers. It, that would probably be nice.
0: It, it turns recover the supplies into key positions, and it turns evaporators into something that's not a stalemate. I I don't know. I, I think... In, and those are two objectives that are very rarely cut, I think.
1: Yeah, they're prone to stalemates, too, like you mentioned.
0: You know, um... So, I don't know. I I just I think I think that the keyword is good enough that if you're playing rebels, you probably need a really good reason not to play a pathfinder unit or Jin.
1: You know, um, I don't know. Well, what are the? I guess we, we should talk about the pathfinders soon here because of the the obvious thing to compare them to is the rebel commandos we already know about. Sure. But before we leave Jin, we didn't talk about her one command card that was spoiled. So yeah. let's let's talk about rebellious, which is this uh, command card here. It's a one pip command card, Jin Urso only. She gains charge, sweet. And then it says once per round, but I, clearly it means the round that this card is played. When an enemy unit at a range one to two and in line of sight of Jin Urso activates before it performs its rally step, Jin Urso may gain one suppression token to either perform an attack against that unit or to perform a free move action. So that seems extremely good, knowing that her weapons are suppressive, because before the rally step, you can tack another suppression on.
2: Which... Yeah, that, I didn't even think about that.
1: I, yeah, that's
0: that's interesting. Um,
2: and you can you can tie them up in melee. Yeah,
0: I mean, yep. This this card effectively reads: Genesio gains charge. She gains like a modified standby ability. That is triggered off an activation as opposed to an action
1: yeah and if you're running Jin aggressively you know your opponent's gonna it's gonna activate something near her there's no question that she's gonna be able to get this done
0: i I mean i think she's generally probably inclined to be a lot closer to (laughs) to things just because she's got the infiltrate keyword you know notably like if you've got the infiltrate keyword you like Sit on the box and you like pick it up and then move away. Anything that tries to like chase you down, Jin can just like perform a free move action away from them and then move twice again on her a- a- activation so she can just like run away with the box and recover the supplies. Yeah,
2: that's that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's just it's just great. I just love the fact that it occurs before their rally step. Yeah. So like your opponent says, I'm gonna activate this unit, and then you're like, okay, well Jin's gonna charge you because rebellious, which is pretty nice. But of course, you know, you again, just like standby, you're handing over control to your opponent a little bit.
0: Uh, are you though? Because like, there's you when, you know when you play rebellious, I think. That you're going to be able to use it, and you're probably going to have something mapped out in your head, like like how you want it to work already. I would imagine that's fair, right? Whereas with standby, you kind of you you generally have to set it up in such a fashion, unless you you're like really really tricky or got a little lucky, or your opponent let you do it. Like you take a standby, and it's really easy to shoot the standby off. Um.
1: Yeah, in this case, it's not really a token that can be stripped. It's going to happen no matter what,
0: right? And when you i think standby gets a lot better when you know you're going to be able to use it
2: for sure and it's the com, you know it's in the command phase so this is almost like a zero pip you know say you're like in melee with something That's and you really true. want to kill that something you know you play this it's a one pip suppose they also play a one
1: pip and they win the roll off yeah and then you know? they try yeah. to activate that unit and Jin just goes anyway right and kills it <laughs>
2: Right, and then and then potentially goes again because it doesn't use up her turn. And she doesn't even have
0: to. She doesn't even have to attack the thing that activated.
1: Um, does she?
0: I don't think so because I think it says that unit. It does, but so this would be my interpretation of the card, right? So once per round, when I'm a unit, blah 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 blah, Jin Urso may gain one suppression token to either perform an attack against that unit or to perform a free move action. She has charge.
1: Oh, that's true. So she can yes. move and charge something else, right?
0: Right. Like I think right. that's what yeah. that says.
1: That is what that says. So you can huh. either you can either range that unit or you can charge a different unit. I like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I...
2: lots of janky possibilities with a card like this for sure. Um...
1: Crazy amount. All right, that's awesome. So Pathfinders, huh? Let's talk about these these dudes. So Pathfinders are the companion to Jyn expansion. They're a special forces unit. Um, Looks like they're 60 points base, so that's pretty much in line with the rebel commandos that are already the special forces type. Um, They come with a heavy weapon trooper slot, a training slot, comm slot, gear, a pistol slot like Jin has, and a grenade slots. So they've got six potential upgrade slots, which is a lot. So they're very uh, customizable, very configurable. Um, Danger Sense 3. So they have a slightly weaker version of Jin's ability with Danger Sense, which we've already mentioned. They have Infiltrate, which lets you deploy anywhere uh, beyond range 3 of all enemy units. And then a new keyword, Dauntless. After you rally, if you are suppressed but not panicked, you may gain one suppression token to perform a free move action. Uh, that's awesome on a unit with two courage that really wants to keep its actions.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wish every unit had Dauntless, pretty much. I mean, I, I suppose you could say that about any keyword, but this if I got to pick any keyword to give to all of my units, I think it would be this one.
2: Yeah, this is incredible. I think I'd probably go with Indomitable from Wookiees, um, but this is almost this looks almost as good.
0: Really, I don't know. I I think I would rather have this one.
2: It's it seems especially good on these guys because of Danger Sense. Yeah, you know, like it combos you, really you, well. You, right, like you want suppression tokens because they make you tougher. So yeah, you know you can you can have a, a beefy stack of suppression tokens. Well, not a huge stack because they only have Courage 2, but a reasonably beefy stack of of suppression tokens on you and still effectively get two actions and get your benefit from danger sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think um I mean, if if gins right next to them, they panic at 6. So, if you're between 2 and 5 suppression tokens, dauntless triggers.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. So, general or, general or Luke, I any commander
1: that has three courage. Yeah. So they'll always get to move shoot. In that sense, because you have the, the dauntless thing that they can do to move. Yeah. Even if they're hugely suppressed.
0: I guess it's it's maybe less good if you don't want to take a move action that turn. They want to like dodge and shoot or something. But, I mean, take what you can get, right?
1: And depending on how much damage they do, I, I could totally see running two of them alongside Jin, like two full units like that alongside Jin. I say full units because I'm thinking you know commandos but these guys don't have a strike team configuration.
2: I mean it it, it looks like on their card they've got a two white die range at attack with
1: surge so that's pretty good. yeah that's really good. How, so if I have a unit of five of them that's ten white dice.
0: How far what's their range on the card? I can't read it three it's three so yeah. like fleet, fleet troopers with without pierce at, at range range three. It seems seems good.
1: Seems, seems good. good to me. Let well, me we know how great Z sixes are just without surge. <laughs> yeah. So this is like what one and two thirds Z sixes worth of dice when you've got you know the full squad but if you don't use the special weapon profile on the other guys, which we're gonna get to in a second. But um, really nice.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, just like Jin, they have this uh, flipping weapon here. No, I guess it doesn't flip. No, what does it say? When you yeah when you recover you may flip this card wow so they do they have three weapons then because you can pay six points for this short range configuration for this uh, the A300 which is their blaster rifle so you've got this the standard weapon here the A300 with the two white and then you've got this uh, six point pistol upgrade or whatever you call a weapon upgrade where um, they get a short range configuration where they can attack at range two with with a single red die that surge hit. And then it says reconfigure. you When you recover, you may flip this card. So, man, they just are like a Swiss army knife of weaponry here. These Pathfinders. They seem like they're
0: a lot more flexible than Commandos. Like Commandos feel to me like they're like very specific and in, in intent in, in what they're doing. Like They've either got Sabs, like a Saboteur on them, or they've got a Sniper, and you're using them to do something very specific. Whereas... These guys seem very flexible to me.
1: Definitely. Like you've got multi-role, multi-range kind of thing going on with them.
0: Yeah. They feel a little bit more take-all-comers than commandos.
2: Feels feels just kind of like an elite rebel trooper unit, which I guess makes sense, right?
1: Yeah, I think they are supposed to be the they're all supposed to be like, you know, line special forces, right? So like like the rangers of of rebels yeah yeah exactly so then you've also got these um two heavy weapon dudes which uh, one of them at least has a unique dot and um i'm going to speculate based on other card art that i've seen of this character that that and based on the model um that this is probably bistan from uh rogue one who was the door gunner of the u-wing so if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch that movie, because there's a scene where the door gunner, the U-Wing, uh, shoots the leg off an AT-AT, and it falls to the ground.
0: Let me but, back um, way up there. If you haven't seen that movie, and you're playing this game, shame on you.
1: Yeah, shame on you, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> like- and
2: even if you have seen that movie, and you know what he's talking about, go watch that scene anyway, because it's my favorite battle scene in all of Star Wars.
0: It's... I don't know. My favorite battle scene comes about twenty minutes later. It's not really a battle scene; it's more like a massacre. But
2: yeah, more like a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I consider I consider Vader murdering the fleet troopers part of that whole sequence. Oh, all right,
0: all right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough for fair sure.
1: Enough. Like the last, like the last, like thirty minutes of Rogue One are amazing. Yeah, I mean the whole movie's amazing, but the last thirty minutes are especially amazing for sure.
0: I, it's my favorite Star Wars movie, hands down.
1: Like, no questions asked. So interestingly enough, we don't we don't yet know the dice pools of these two uh, heavy weapon dudes. Uh, one of them, who I think is Bastan, um, but they both have range four, which is kind of cool. So I wonder if that suggests that the short range config gun could be flipped to a long range config gun, and maybe that would synergize. I have no idea. That would be kind my, of. Cool. That's my. I'm desperately hoping that's the case though, because that would be incredibly cool to just have a range four unit at all if, as rebels. Cause we haven't had anything like the DLT forever. If, so
0: if that's how that works, I feel like they'd really be like, a, a, like literal Swiss army knife. If they had like a range two gun range, three gun and a range four gun, like as a squad, that seems.
1: Yeah, I would be, I would be pretty stoked if that was, if that, if that was true again, that's just my speculation. But um, I'd be stoked if that was the case. So one of them has Impact 1 and Ion 1, similar to the MPL-57 grenade launcher from the normal Rebel Trooper unit. But the other one is pretty cool because it has... Uh, I think it has Inspire because it says you gain something and that looks like the Inspire text from the Officer pack. And then... Um, It has the word leader, which makes it the unit leader, which is kind of cool. But unfortunately, I believe you can only take one of these in your squad, you cannot take both because you have only one of these um, heavy weapon trooper upgrade slots. So this kind of begs the question, like, should I just take two and run both? Um, That's probably gonna be a common configuration.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're similar to the commandos in that they only get the, the the one addition, right?
1: yeah exactly
2: oh you mean take two separate units
1: yeah two separate units where i run one of the commanders in one and one of the other commanders in the other is the idea so two two five man pathfinder units gotcha and um knowing what i know about bistan in the movie i think the second leader's name is pao pao i don't know how you pronounce it exactly but um, Bistan and Power were featured together on a lot of the um, t-shirts and artwork for Rogue One as uh, two of the alien commanders for that movie. Um, definitely lesser known in terms of uh, just the overall universe. Certainly lesser known than characters like Chirrut and Baze, which we haven't seen yet, but I hope we get some time in this game. But i um, pretty sure that's who those guys are. Again, it's all speculation at this point. But uh, if you look at the art and if you know Rogue One really well, um, you'd be able to make that conclusion as well, I think, pretty easily. Um, There's another card. There's a couple other cards here. They have duck and cover and frag grenades included in the pack. They've got a comms upgrade that is not spoiled, as far as I can tell. And then they've got a training upgrade that looks like it's new. It's got a picture of a... I think that's a calamari. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it says Overwatch... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it says Overwatch because I see OVE and the only thing I can think of is, you know, Overwatch because that's what it looks like to me. You gain something, probably a standby token, but I don't know. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't look that impressive to me at first blush, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. So, well, sorry, go go ahead. No, you're good.
2: I was gonna say that just in general, I'm stoked. Uh, Jin's Jin's one of my favorite characters from Star Wars. So,
0: as as Rebel yeah. commanders, are you guys more psyched about Pathfinders or Jin?
2: That's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to say just from fuzzy text and a preview article, but um, yeah, because I'm I'm a I'm a Wonder Twins player, so like fitting in another a different commander is like. You know, uh, uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> but Jin does look really fun, so I don't know. I could definitely see Pathfinders taking the place of, um, you know, I mean, being sort of swappable with Wookies. Like if you if you've got a, in my case, uh, like a Wonder Twins list with you know your your five core units, a couple snipers and Wookies, I could see instead doing Wonder Twins with five core units, two snipers, and these dudes um, for recover supplies and other shenanigans. Um, but Jen has always been one of my favorite characters, so I'll probably give her a shot. Um, and obviously we can only see one of her command cards and everything with commanders is in the command cards, so it's it's hard to it's
1: hard to predict. But No, I feel the same way. Jen is really one of my favorite characters too, and I really just want to run Jen Cassian just because it's it's really nice and I really hope the Cassian's a unit and, and I hope this is like I hope it's not just a very small toe dip into Rogue One before moving on to other things. I hope they actually go through like the full gamut of Rogue One units, just because I think that game has kind of gotten, or not when I said that game, that movie has gotten less attention than it deserves. I think overall, but that's just me. Uh,
0: I mean, it undoubtedly has gotten way less attention than it deserves. It is the best Star Wars movie of all time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure I disagree with you on that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I to me, uh, it really A embodies this game, which I guess we got after Rogue One. But um B like you go through all of Star Wars and you kinda have this like happy go luck like it's kinda like I don't know, fun time, nobody important really dies for the most part and like everybody's safe against all odds and, and Rogue One just it's like this this is why all those heroes are doing those really incredible things, because everybody else is going through this hell. And I don't know.
2: What are you talking about? All the heroes die at the end of Return of the Jedi. I mean
0: you're you're not wrong. All of oh, the heroes God. do die at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um,
1: is this a contractors on the Death Star joke? <laughs> It might be. <laughs>
2: Everybody should go watch Clerks if you have not seen that scene. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, I mean, I just, I, I, it's, <laughs> I, it just Im-
0: embodies like this hidden thing behind the scenes in Star Wars. You're like, you know, like you, they talk about the Galactic Civil War, and they're like, oh, we need Luke, we need a Jedi to do these things, and, and, the original trilogy doesn't do a great job of explaining like other than saying like the empire is bad you know uh and and it just i don't know it it feels so awesome to kind of see everything that is supposed to have built the rebellion in, in that fashion and seeing the nightmares and like the sacrifices that like the normal troops made is just awesome
2: yeah you know it's like uh it's it's a a galactic civil war but you don't quite get that sense in the original trilogy but rogue one is is a war movie about a galactic civil war so
1: yeah yeah i mean we didn't really connect with the we didn't really connect with the plight of the rebels beyond kind of a surface level and i mean i don't know maybe i was just too young to appreciate it at the time just how much of a horrifying thing it was that tarkin blew up alderaan but again, you know, we're not connecting at, at that sort of lower level like Rogue One was connecting the audience to in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the day-to-day hell, like you've mentioned earlier, the hell that these people are going through rather than the sort of larger, like, you know, kind of more, how do you say, elevated, you know, archetypes like the princess is being held by the evil monster and we're, the evil monster is going to do something evil. Yeah, it was. You know? it was
0: like, it was like Mario for the first you know yeah <laughs> you know you gotta save the princess from the castle you know and when Alderon blows up um it the reason that it feels horrible isn't because there's millions of people down there it's because princess leia gasps and it's like oh no
1: you know like, right, he's hurting the princess <laughs> yeah. more than he's killing a billion people um,
2: <laughs> and then and then not too too long after she's like totally fine and comforting luke uh for the loss of an uncle that he barely knew.
1: Yeah.
0: Who, who, who questionably, she had probably a much more, a larger reason to have a connection with him than Luke did. Frankly. I, I don't know. Yep. Like, I don't know. Like she, she was sent to go find him. Like that was like her whole purpose. And he died before she, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, but that's spoiler spoiler alert spoiler yeah okay yeah if you haven't seen episode four again shame on you uh but i think that uh do we we have anything else to hit on rebel pathfinders and jinn
1: i i don't think we do
0: okay
1: i think we've covered all the bases i'm sure we've forgotten something that i'm sure people will tell us we forgot later on
0: the only, I guess the thing I'd like to close on, uh, on this is that, uh, the previews for these models look amazing. Yes! Like, like they look, they're a dramatic increase in quality over the last couple releases, and I am super excited to see them kind of continue to, to get a little bit more creative and like into it with these poses and facial expressions and and everything i don't know uh
2: yeah these are the first ones i've seen where i'm like actually excited about painting these um not to like diss the previous models too much and i, I think i'm spoiled by gw probably <laughs> but these are the first ones where i'm like actually like wow these look fantastic i want to paint these
0: yeah like the, the the like alien that's like yelling with it with the gun uh, it, it's like right out of the movie, and it just looks really cool. Um, it's like a very iconic pose, and they they nailed it. I love it.
1: They really did.
0: Uh, okay, cool. So um, I guess let's move on to uh, Invader League, I think, finished up last night.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: and it was Garn- nana. I, I don't know if yeah. that's too many N's, but... It's Gar- it is, uh- but okay well you know uh versus kingsley um and i think you casted that last night and if i caught the part of it i did i think orc was kind of co-casting it for a little while there too
1: yeah i had or- orc came in later to uh, bail me out a little bit i think i may have sounded a tiny bit bored in the middle but that's my own <laughs> darn fault it's just because um it it was key positions
0: so <laughs> I, I want to kind of hit something that you just mentioned there. It was a long game.
1: It sure was.
0: It was a long game, and uh, I don't know. Uh, do, do you think that Invader should have like time limit on matches, like like normal? I, I
1: do. Play should? Going forward, going forward, I think that it should. There should be some sort of time limit. I think the three hour limit should be enforced. Um, it's Tabletop Simulator has a lot of automation. But a lot of the efficiency of that automation depends on how good you are at operating a computer. Sure. I,
2: I, there are some things... Sorry, go no. ahead. Uh, there are some things, too, that are like more difficult with Tabletop Simulator, like especially placing models in specific locations, like when there's different elevation levels and stuff, can be really fiddly. Hitboxes,
1: um, especially, can get kind of crazy. Yeah. It,
2: and also, just, just because... You know, there's no like range ruler. You have to you have to kind of hit the range button. Um, there can be a lot of like when you're moving a unit and you want it to be at a very specific range or in a very specific spot, you kind of have to like move it around and repeatedly hit the range button. Whereas on a real table, you'd you'd just put the range ruler on the table and you know bump that model up against the range ruler and call it a day. Um, so there is some stuff like that, but yeah, there's a lot of automation too that also can make it faster.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think my average game on Tabletop Simulator is probably a little longer than in-person, but not by too terribly much, I think. Maybe 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Likewise, I have the same the same thing. It depends on how speedy the players are at positioning things. And again, it has to come down to your mouse mouse accuracy a little bit. Um, you know, because you're trying to get the right cohesion and you're trying to drop models incorrectly and you're trying to do these like minute adjustments because... You know, you want to do them. You want to do those adjustments, but the way that TTS works is that the model has to kind of go in the air, and you have to move it over slightly and drop it back, and then oh, it's not right. Pick it up, move it in the air, drop it back again. You know, yeah, just that that adds time every time you have to do that. Especially with um, you know, certain situations that you know are theoretically possible but hard to actually create in terms of cohesion. Yeah, you know, it's like I know that I can get all three of these models to see you, but I have to like really finagle it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and kind of getting down to the, the level where you're, you know, uh, when you're playing in, in real life, you can just kind of like, you know, bend down and look at what the model's seeing. It, it can be kind of wonky in Tabletop simulators sometimes to do that.
1: It it can be.
0: Uh, but, so, you know.
1: It was still a very long match. It was a
0: very long match. I don't want to dwell on that too, too long. I just kind of wanted to mention it. Um, so you guys casted it. What did you think? Did you, I mean, it was clearly, I think it was long March, key positions, rapid reinforcements.
1: Yeah. So starting from the battle card selection phase, um, Kingsley, for those that don't know is, is, or was the season one champion and his final game last year was key positions and he was blue. And so this was a repeat of that scenario in season two where he was key positions and he was blue. Um, so the the cards drop the both players see the key positions is in, is in the last slot and so you know kingsley starts to eliminate towards it and garn kind of goes to look at the board and tries to figure out okay well how how can i force kp towards the middle to keep him from just laying back and waiting for me to walk into you know the meat grinder and Eventually, they kind of decided that actually Long March precluded enough of the board to make things possible for Red to win, that they settled on Long March and then Rapid Reinforcements, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, Garn, of course, being the Imperial player, had brought at least one unit of Snowtroopers, and so he was thinking, uh, okay, well, I'll Rapid Reinforce these Snowtroopers forward and try to create another another angle uh, to attack Kingsley from so I can... You know, influence. You know how his forces move, and you know create an opportunity for me to snag that second objective point.
0: Um, Can Can we talk about his key position placement? um, To kind of, I guess, kick it off because I thought it was really interesting, and I actually thought it was a really great um, way to approach key positions as red. Um, So, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong here on this, guys. Uh, Kingsley um, picked two like barricade esque things that were over on his side of the board, and what Garn did was he placed his key position very close to Kingsley's.
2: Uh, yeah, they kind of formed like a triangle near the middle of the table.
0: Yeah, and so I thought that was very interesting in that uh, it what it allowed garn to do was to not hold any units back he could just drive forward with his entire army and it kind of clicked in my head that that actually might be way better than holding like because the game's going to be decided by who kind of wins that that kind of that push right so there's no sense in leaving a unit that could be pushing back on an objective if you're going to be able to, if, if you win the push, you're going to take it anyway.
2: Yeah, I do think, and um, Garn actually mentioned this in his post-game interview, I think bounty changes that calculus a little bit. That's fair. Um, you know, one thing he said is, like, I always end up with random one or two-man units left alive that I'm trying to run away and preserve. Um, and the, on, on the Jetta map, which is the map they played, there's there's this rather large like line-of-sight blocking wall that uh, Sort of down one side of the map. Basically, he said, Look, if I had just picked like a crater behind this wall, um, then I could have pulled one of my inevitable damage units back here to hold it and then made for a bounty play and, and gone for 2 2. Um, so I definitely see your point, And especially if you don't have Boba Fett, I think that's potentially a good strategy. Um, but at least in this case, um, you know, Garn said that he actually regretted not placing, making a safer placement. Interesting. Just because it, it would have given him that bounty.
1: Uh, you know, two-two tie option. No, I noticed that as well, and I was also a little bit regretful that that's how the game turned out. I think he had a really good shot to, you know, tip it over. Just because um, there was a moment there where he was up on points because he had killed off more sniper teams than his opponent had. Yeah, yeah, and
2: actually, um, Kingsley doesn't—at least in this case—was not running a steam leader on Leia, um, and and Boba was at least. Briefly, and this will be a, this can be a whole separate discussion, but for a time he was in a position to do some good damage to Leia. Um, so I think maybe with a safer KP uh, placement, um, he would have potentially been able to collect that bounty and then just kind of withdraw back behind that wall. But of course, it's possible too that if if uh, you know, Garn had put that KP behind that wall, um, maybe Kingsley would have been a little more cagey with Leia being being aware of that 2-2 tie possibility so
0: that, that's definitely possible he definitely decided at turn zero whether it was intentional or not that he was going to have to win that main fight as opposed to try and force a stalemate with bounty
2: right yep and uh you know who's obviously hindsight is 20-20 so yeah. it's hard to say like whether that was the right call or not but he he at least uh felt
1: like it was the wrong call I I'm in this I'm in agreement with that. I think it wasn't correct. I think he could have put it in a safer place and and again, you know, just the the opportunity to keep a unit, you know, with almost full line of sight blockage unless your opponent pushes way, way forward. Um, it's pretty good. Like you can just wait there forever and not do anything and be fine. Yeah. There's no pressure on you at that point. I'm
0: I'm sort of taking the, the stance that I'm not sure the red player can afford to be down a unit. When they're they're pushing in KP, just because they're are already at such a disadvantage. I don't think you want to put yourself at another, you know, seventy point disadvantage from the outset to to kind of hold a unit back. But I don't know. Uh, it's it's an interesting,
1: I guess, conversation to have at least. So one of the struggles. One of the struggles with KP placement too is that these terrain pieces were rather large yeah, and they covered a large area and so they weren't exactly friendly to one side because you could have a, you know, there was like a large square structure in the middle where both players could hide behind it. So that wasn't exactly good for either side.
2: Yeah, it was actually, I think, an excellent move by Garn to to play or uh, to pick Long March just because he hedged out so many like easy kp placements um and i think actually forced a situation where they were somewhat centrally located i think that was the correct call um so let's talk about something that happened early in this game i think that kind of cascaded things in in a bad direction for garn and that was um basically a cohesion mistake Mm -hmm. um so we we spent you know a significant portion of um a couple episodes ago talking about things to do and things to not do with cohesion. Um, actually, I know Garn is usually very careful about this sort of thing, because I've played him several times. Um, and he's usually very obsessive about his cohesion. But basically, he had, with his Imperial Royal Guard, um, he had a situation where just a um, the Electro Staff unit and then the unit leader were visible down uh, one of the lanes. Um, Jetta has like some some very... Uh, you know, it's a bunch of square buildings, so it has some very long, straight lanes. Um, and there was one lane, you know, that Kingsley was pushing up, uh, where based on how cohesion was done, it was just the electrostaff and the leader. Um, and he, uh, Kingsley, played Leia's bombardment and basically terrain scoped the electrostaff guy. Um, it didn't kill him, but it put put a wound token on him. And you know, once you've got a wound token on a unit and a multi wound unit further wounds have to go to that unit, so the Electro Staff guy was going to be the first one to die, uh, and it essentially made them significantly weakened against a potential melee with Luke, which turned out to be pretty decisive. Yeah,
0: which is exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, there was some some other issues there with, I think he waited a couple activations to to charge into Luke with the Royal Guard on the turn that they, and exposed them to more fire, but I think they kind of he might have gotten out of that, Scott Free. Yeah, and there
2: was some, there was some weird dice too. Like, um, you know, so basically on on what turned out to be, ultimately, I think the swing point in the game, um, Kingsley made what I thought at the time was a pretty aggressive move with Luke. Um, Garn had a six man stormtrooper squad, uh, with an officer, so a big, heavy hitting, expensive squad, um, and IRG right next to each other. Um, and Luke charged straight into the uh, the DLT, the six-man DLT officer squad, which was like right at the limit of, of his range. And he actually rolled um, without an aim token, rolled six hits with Luke, um, and then on six dice, Garn only got two saves. So Luke basically one shot at a six-man stormtrooper squad. He didn't basically. Um, he, he did. Right. Yeah. yeah. Basically, <laughs> he, shot, he did one shot a funny. six-man stormtrooper. <laughs> um, so. You know, it's good and bad because then Luke was kind of out in the open by himself without a dodge token against Garn's army. But at the yeah, same and... time, Garn's Royal Guard were also somewhat exposed. So they almost had to charge Luke kind of early to avoid additional casualties.
0: Yeah, I think it actually played out in Kingsley's favor that he killed the whole squad, frankly.
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, if there were a couple guys left, uh, that would have been one extra unit to time down. So push would not have been an option. Um and you know, that would have been like two or three stormtroopers that could do an aim and punch on Luke. Yeah. And as it happened on that turn, you know, Luke ended that turn with only one wound left. That's that's true.
1: So Yeah, the guard did like a eight hit double aim charge into Luke at that point. Which was pretty dope. But yeah, and he had already he had, he had already taken a wound.
2: Enough. So yeah. um Yeah, Luke ended that turn, I think, with five wound tokens. But he he did have stims, but it, it would have been in, if there were two or three stormtroopers there to punch Luke, it, it could have potentially been you know one less turn of Luke, which which would have
1: made the difference. It also would have been a nine dice hit because of tenacity that was missing.
0: Right, because he didn't have tenacity on that squad, right? Yeah, that hurt
1: him hugely. I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I think he said afterwards he didn't regret not taking tenacity, but you know it's four points. Like, I think if you're going to use guard um, or Wookies. Uh, I feel like it's mandatory. I, you know, yeah, obviously there's differing opinions, but there are situations like that, even if it only happens once a game where you really are going to want that extra red dice.
0: I just, red dice are so consistent, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, I think even if you're taking like a, a three-man squad of guard, you probably want tenacity. It's just, it's good. It's really good.
2: Yep. Um, so Kingsley made that. Uh, you know, what I thought was at the time a reckless play with Luke that turned out pretty well. Um, And then uh, Garn basically, um, his Boba Fett was on the other side of the board. Um, And he essentially had two options. He could kind of cut bait and try and let the the injured Royal Guard deal with Luke uh, and go after Leia with Boba Fett. Or he could, you know, reposition Boba Fett across the map um, and trying to whipcord Luke and time down with Boba Fett, and he he did the second thing.
0: They were they were very far apart. I don't I don't know. I I think that that was maybe a questionable call. I think at that point you maybe have to ho- just kind of hope the Royal Guard and whatever else can kind of is over on that side of the board can finish Luke off when he's on one health as opposed to. Send him Bobo over there to, because it it was probably a whole activations worth of movements just to get into whipcord range.
2: It was, and you know it's kind of, it's a tough position for an Imperial player to be in because Luke is a is a big scary thing, and, and he hadn't used oh, push sure. he hadn't used push yet either. So, um, you know there was another there was another like full stormtrooper squad within charge range of Luke on that turn that he played whipcord, um, and conceivably. Luke could have just pushed the guard out into the open to, you know, be killed by Z6s and then charge that Stormtrooper squad. Um, it, right, instead, so it, it turned Boba out to be even worse than that scenario, right? Because he played Whipcord, Boba went over there um, to a spot where he, he thought was safe. He Whipcorded Luke. Um, but of course, Whipcord is range one, and if Boba's in range one of Luke, then Luke is within a range one of Boba. So he, he tripped Force Push. He... um he pushed Boba Fett out into the middle in the open, uh, and the rest of his army just annihilated Boba Fett.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of crazy the the dice difference between the two. And I know you were not <laughs> supposed to talk about dice because the situation wouldn't have happened if he hadn't made the decision he made. But I gotta tell you, it was pretty obnoxious to see a forty point Rebel trooper squad put four wounds yeah, on Boba I mean, Fett.
0: Sometimes pretty obnoxious. Three up space brain saves are just not i mean they're good but sometimes they don't work out
2: yeah i mean I, I think he i think he was gonna die that turn anyway because he activated first and there were like five z6 squads within a range of him plus a sniper and leia so um you know certainly there was some overrolling especially on the part of that heroic like naked squad um but i think all it ultimately ended up Resulting in was there were just a couple of extra Z6 squads at the end of the turn that could shoot something besides Boba Fett. Like, I don't think it made the difference in Boba dying or not dying.
1: Basically.
0: Like, he definitely would have died that turn. It just, it was a matter of did he die and all of the units that would have shot him get to do something else, right? Right. Like,
2: you know. Yeah, it kind of, which is a big deal in and of itself. It kind of snowballed after that. Um, You know, Kingsley did a, a good job of. Uh, using his weight of numbers advantage and just building
1: on that after, after Boba Fett was dead. Yeah, I mean... It Kingsley was building for raw efficiency too. It was like 6Z6 and 3 sniper teams, Luke and Leia. It was probably the most like raw efficiency list I've seen. For sure.
0: And frankly, the decision to um, drop the Snowtroopers in behind, it was cool. It was creative. I think that it worked out really poorly for him. I think had they been advancing, uh, you know, taking advantage of Steady a little bit, uh, they could have maybe changed the the calculus over there on that left side potentially.
2: Yeah, I think rapid reinforcements is a little bit of a trap. Um, even if you have a short range unit like Snows, I think you still want to have him on the table. Um, you know, maybe with Long March, it's not as big of a deal because you may not be like in a, in a scrum on turn one anyway. Um,
0: I don't know if somebody who plays snows a lot, just getting attack actions for free is like, I don't know, like, just do it. Put a suppression token down at minimum. Sometimes you're going to roll a crit. Like you're, if you've got a six man, um, stormtrooper squad and or a snowtrooper squad and they move and steady, it's better than a Z six.
2: Yeah, they're they're certainly good. And I think obviously again hindsight is twenty twenty. But I, I'm sure he would have rather had them on the table fighting from turn one. Um, I think he said afterward he was trying to do like a little bit of a a pincher, you know, flanking situation where um you know putting the the Z six troopers in an awkward spot where they could either run into Garn's army or run backwards towards the snowtroopers. Um, sure. But hammer and anvil only works if you have an anvil, uh, and I think I think based on how things went, you know, Kingsley killed Boba Fett and then just kind of pushed up through Garn's army, which melted. Um, yeah. so he could run away from the snowtroopers by basically just pushing on on what was a ultimately, um, you know, insufficient uh, force by Garn. So
0: hammer and anvil doesn't
1: work if somebody else's hammer smashed your anvil.
2: Yeah, that's that's a more accurate way to put it.
1: Yeah, Not for sure. Yeah, there was even a moment there too where you know again, Garn had an opening, and then Variance denied him that opening. Oh my
2: gosh, that that role was ridiculous. He...
1: Yeah, so there was a moment there where Garn had like full hits off his own stormtroopers into the full Z Six squad of Kingsley just in the open, just dead to rights. You're like, okay, well, surely this, surely this will inflict many casualties. No, he saved all
2: the. Yeah, one. He, he got he got six <laughs> hits, uh, and you know, six white die t shirt saves, and Kingsley saved five of them.
1: Yeah, so whatever, man. Like <laughs> sometimes you make the you, you make the good choice, you have the opportunity, but the dice just say no. But that's that's it. That's you know that's a dice game. It's a bad yep. beat. That's yeah, all. Sometimes
0: sometimes that happens. Um, and so cool.
1: I just wanted to say one yeah. more thing. Uh,
2: yeah. When, when you play someone like Kingsley, who themselves makes very few mistakes, um, you know, in a high-level pl- game like this, one mistake makes the difference. And I think that's basically what happened. You know, it was that cohesion error, I think, that kind of cascaded for Garn.
0: Yeah. It was a very small mistake that ended up costing him dearly. Right.
2: And that's that's yep. what happens at these levels of play. You know, you've got the... At least from the season Invader League, you have got the top Imperial player and the top Rebel player facing off against each other, and the first person to blink is usually the one that's going to lose. So, yeah. but congrats to awesome. congrats to Kingsley. I guess we got to give him a different title now in yeah. Discord.
0: I think it's I think it's already happened. I think it says Season Two Invader League Champion already. Okay. I I and I, I sound not happy about that because I wanted to see you dethroned. If you're listening, I wanted to see it. But
1: apparently. Yeah, no, no, nothing personal, man. I wanted to see Garn win just because I wanted Boba Fett to win, but whatever. I
0: just, I think it's, you know, we don't, we don't need a Tiger Woods yet, you know?
2: Well, he's got like two, two more championships, you know, at least before he gets to Tiger Woods territory.
0: All right. What, I mean, but nobody else has won yet, you know? Tiger Woods at least was winning things that other people had won before.
2: That's true. Well, we'll have to wait a few yeah, months to find out if uh, somebody can take him. We will. Yeah.
0: Well, all right, cool. So uh, I think we covered a lot today. Um, do you guys have any closing remarks generally that you want to kind of leave the, the cast with?
1: Yes. Uh, check out yavinbase.wordpress.com for more information about the Team League. Again, join the Legion Discord. Um Hook up with all the people who are talking Legion online play and uh, Legion in general. And I think you'll find it to be a really awesome place full of great information. Make an account in Challange, bring some friends, and uh, let's get this team league off the ground in a couple of weeks.
2: Um, yeah, sounds super fun. Um, next week, we'll definitely t- we're going to get to it today. But obviously, there's plenty of other things to talk about. So we'll, we'll uh, Dashes and I played in a super fun local tournament. Um, which ended up being 12 people, which is a good size this past weekend. So we'll talk about that on our, on our next cast.
0: Yeah, we will. It'll be a great time. Everybody should tune in. I'm dashes.
2: I'm Orchimides. And I'm endless.
0: And we're the notorious scoundrels. See you next time, folks. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.